0: Seven oh two and five six seven Cape Talk. For more, please go to seven oh two or Cape Talk dot co dot ZA. Know your rights, use them responsibly. Lead SA. The Naked Scientist on Talk Radio 702 and 567 Cape Talk with Riddy Clappy. Yes, it is that time of the week again. That means that the lines are open for you. Whatever you want to ask the Naked Scientist, Chris Smith, on 021-446-0567, 11 Of course, it's all about science, the, word of, uh, uh, the, the world of, uh, of technology even, uh, biology, nature, whatever it is that you are curious about. Do give us a call? Chris, lovely to have you with us again. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you very much. Now, I I know we've got a story about HIV in breast milk. We'll get to that in just a second. But the bombings in the United States, the explosion rather, not the bombing, the explosion that happened uh, in the United States about uh, two days ago at an industrial mm. area. And they talked about Texas. fertilizer. Can you just uh, share some ideas? I mean, what kind of fertilizer would, 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 would cause an explosion?
1: Uh, my Knowledge of this is a little bit sketchy because it's been confined just to rolling news bulletins because I was at a conference yesterday all about gene therapy, so I actually missed the major event unfolding. But the factory in question, I believe, was an ammonia plant... And Mm. when you manufacture ammonia, a number of things are important. One of them is that there's a very high temperature, or relatively high temperature involved, and also a very high pressure. So the plant in itself will be a a pressurised environment. You're also dealing with hydrogen gas, which is, again, an explosive fuel. We demonstrated that at the RAND show, that if you explode hydrogen, you get quite a devastating bang when it mixes with oxygen. And I suspect that that's probably at the root of it. There was some kind of leakage of a gas or the failure of a pressure vessel that then led to a a further explosion on top of it but fertiliser is a source of nitrate and nitrates when they decompose or break down they produce large volumes of gas and so as a result they're often used as a source of fuel in homemade explosives uh, Mm. for that reason because when you break them down an explosive material is something that turns from a solid which is very compact and doesn't take up very much space into a gas which takes up maybe... Uh, at least a 1,000, if not in some cases, maybe 100,000 times more space than the equivalent amount of solid material. Right. And that uh, taking up of space causes a big increase in pressure wherever it, it is happening, and that causes a shockwave, and the thing that's containing the shockwave has to get bigger to contain it or break to let it out, and that's what an explosion is, and that's probably what happened there.
0: All right. And HIV in breast milk,
1: uh, Chris? Yes, there was this paper that came out this week and it really explains something which has been a bit of a mystery and that is that we know that in many countries where prophylaxis treatment against HIV is not readily available in the form of antiretroviral drugs, then mothers are advised to uh, stop breastfeeding after four months and switch their babies onto solid food because breast milk is a risk factor for the transmission of HIV. Equally, though, if you have a young baby and you feed it milk replacement products, like bottled milk, which is made with contaminated water, then the baby has a much greater chance of succumbing to something lethal, which is in the contaminated water, noroviruses, E. coli, salmonella and so on. So there's a fine line to be trodden between the risks of breastfeeding from someone who has HIV and the risks of not breastfeeding. So the WHO, the World Health Organization, advised that people should stop breastfeeding from four months which should give at least some uh, benefit but at least also prevent some transmissions of HIV and the impact of doing that wasn't as big as it should have been. And no one really understood why they didn't see far fewer transmissions than had been occurring from the breast milk. And now there's a paper in the journal Science Translational Medicine. It's by researchers at Columbia University, Louise Kuhn and her colleagues. They've done a really interesting study in Zambia where they've recruited just under a 1,000 women who are having babies and are also HIV positive. And they've divided them into two groups. And one group are asked to breastfeed as much as they like. The -hmm. other group were told to breastfeed for four months and then stop abruptly. And throughout this experiment, they have taken samples of the breast milk and they've taken samples of the blood from the mother and they've regularly tested the infants for HIV infection. And what's amazing is that in the women who stop breastfeeding at about four months, but then they don't stop abruptly, they do a little bit of breastfeeding and a little bit of solid food in the babies, the amount of HIV in their breast milk, when they start doing that, rockets up. It goes up by 10 to 20-fold. So why should there be this dramatic increase in virus in the breast milk? And they think it's just the change in frequency of breastfeeding alters the physiology, the way that the breast is working and in particular it relaxes connections between cells in the breast, allowing virus to come out of the bloodstream and other bits of the breast tissue and get into the breast milk. So the advice to stop at four months seems to be very sound if you stop abruptly, but if you feather in solid food while occasionally breastfeeding, this seems to be the real risk for transmission and they they argue that in the absence of access to antiretroviral drugs, then women should be aware of this and should breastfeed up to four months but then make sure if they're going to stop breastfeeding they absolutely stop Mm. and don't do this halfway house because that seems to account for a lot of the transmission risk in that period of a baby's life.
0: Very important information. Let's go to Dan in Durbanville. Hi. Good morning Rudy. Good morning to everybody. Mm. Hello Dan. The question (laughs) question is um, if you have a car remote, the one that unlocks your vehicle or a remote that um, does a motorised gate or motorised garage doors When it's out of reach, if you take that remote and you put it against the temple of your head, it seems to extend the signal and open, I mean, vastly improve the signal range. Can you explain that, or have you even seen that?
1: (laughs) A couple of people have asked us this, Dan, and I've always been slightly sceptical. And then when we were at the RAND show a gentleman came to see me and said, no, this really works, I've tried it. Um, So maybe people could do an experiment and try this. I can't think of a good reason, but that's not to say there isn't one, why this should work, other than if you raise the remote to the height of your temple, you're giving it potentially a better line of sight to the receiver, because most people tend to press these remotes down near their lap somewhere, often from inside the car, of course, and this means that the signal has to get through the steering column and the metal of the car and then out of the car and to the receiver. Whereas if you put it up near your temple, then it has a shorter journey to travel and probably fewer obstacles before it hits the receiver that that it needs to to get to to send the signal. So that's my thought on it, but other people swear blind that this works. If someone has a good physics explanation uh, that's valid, I would love to hear it, please. Bruce in Kempton Park High.
0: Yes, good morning. I'd just like you to explain the theory of water displacement to keep a ship afloat because something of that size should realistically think i'll listen on the radio thanks bye water displacement theory
1: good morning bruce well what happens this is a bit of physics that archimedes worked out a couple of thousand years ago in ancient greece Uh, effectively it's it's his eureka moment he was the eureka streaker so you could argue maybe he was the first (laughs) first official naked scientist what uh, archimedes principle says is that when you push some water out of the way then you feel a force back on the thing that pushed it out of the way equivalent to the mass of the water that's moved out of the way. So let me put that into different terms. If I have a jug of water and it's a kilo of water, if I push a kilo of water out of the way it pushes back on me with a kilos with a force, 10 newtons. If you have a boat and you had just a solid block of metal, in other words the equivalent mass of the boat but was just one solid block of metal, it would sink but boats aren't a solid block of metal, they contain a lot of air. Um, and that means that the amount of mass of the boat is pushing out of the way a bigger amount of water than a boat itself weighs, and therefore the amount of force on the boat is bigger than the force trying to push the boat down in the water, so the boat stays afloat. And one way to sink a boat and an oil rig, and this has happened in the past, is to fill the, air with, the the water with bubbles. And this is what happens when you get methane escaping from the bottom of the ocean sometimes. You get saturation of the water with gas bubbles, and because gas is much lighter than the water is, the water becomes a lot less buoyant and boats can sink. Also, there's something on the side of a boat called the plimsoll line, after the clever guy who came up with this concept, because boats originally, when they sailed from the sea into freshwater rivers and streams would end up sinking because the freshwater is less buoyant than the saltwater. Why? Because when you've got lots of salt dissolved in the water, when the boat pushes the water out of the way, it's pushing salt out of the way as well, mm. and that increases the mass of the water, so the thrust, the upthrust back on the boat is much greater. And that's why a boat floats.
0: Colin and Cecil, please stay on the line. I'll be back right after this. The Naked Scientist on Talk Radio 702 and 567 Cape Talk with Reedy Clappy. 12 minutes to 10 o'clock and we are taking your calls on 21 Colin and Robert M. hi. Good morning. Mm uh last week my daughter saw a strange thing with the weather building up for a storm she said first of all the mammalia clouds were high high in the sky where the cirrus clouds are and then when it did start to rain she saw three rainbows stacked one above each other now i've seen two uh, at one or other time in my life but never three what does chris have to say about that
1: Hello, Colin. Well, your daughter's really lucky because, like you, I've only ever seen two, so yes. she must be very blessed to see a third one. The, the physics here is that when you have a very dark sky and a nice bright sun shining at it, and that sky has got lots of water droplets, rays from the sun go into a water droplet and they bounce off the back inside surface of the water droplet and they reflect back out of the front and because different frequencies or colors of light get bent by a slightly different amount when they go in and out of the raindrop back into the air the colors get split up which is why you see a raindrop so that explains why you get one rainbow how do you get a second one Well, this is where some of the light, which is coming back out of the front of the raindrop, instead of coming out of the raindrop back into the air, it does the journey again. So it hits the front inside surface of the raindrop, bounces back onto the inside back of the raindrop, a bending again as it does so and then comes out to you so you see the second rainbow and to get a third one i would think it would have to do the journey again i'd have to think about the angles but i would i would estimate that probably if you're going to see a third one it would be because the uh, light was sufficiently strong going in against a sufficiently dark background that you could see some light which is making the third trip
0: mm, mm, okay cecil in orange grove hi
1: hi
0: good morning that's chris we were on holiday 120 kilometers east of Johannesburg, walking on the golf course. And there were swarms, many, many swarms of pure white butterflies Mm -hmm. flying into us, hitting us on the face and arms everywhere. I don't know what is this phenomena. Please, Dr. Chris.
1: I've seen that. Thousands of them. I've never never seen anything quite as dramatic as that. But insects do tend to have these patterns. And what will happen is that you will get... A warm spell, so there'll be lots of growth of plants. You will get lots of um, eggs being laid and caterpillars coming out and eating all this abundant plant matter. If for some reason the birds that would normally eat those caterpillars are late arriving on their migration or they don't predate sufficiently, there's not enough birds to eat all of these caterpillars, you then get all of them in sync pupating and turning into uh, a butterfly and then they all emerge together and it suits them to all emerge together because at the end of the day the butterflies need to mate and if they all emerged across a, a big time window the chances of finding a mate because butterflies don't live very long, for well some don't it is reduced so if you emerge all in sync your chances of being eaten by something and uh, you're uh, slim and your chances of being able to find a mate are much higher so it suits many species to time their uh, emergence like that and their life cycle like that and i suspect that's what you were seeing you timed it just right and they'd all emerged around that time in that vicinity and there were loads of them
0: okay so uh so, so, sorry you had a follow-up question to that are you no, going no, to avoid no. are you going to stop playing golf or are you going to lock yourself up in the house what are you going to do to avoid those butterflies just as a matter of interest i am the only totally blind golfer in south africa wow okay and do you win How, what's your handicap And I'm not going to be facetious and say blindness. (laughs) Cecil in Orange Grove, thank you for the call. Let's go to Mohammed in Florida. Good morning to you. Good morning, Didi. Uh, My question is concerning a remote control. If you forget your, lock your keys in your car, I've heard that it's possible to have someone uh, press another remote through your cell phone and unlock the car. This
1: one and, uh, is it possible, and wh- what is the physics behind that? Hi, Mohammed. Uh, unfortunately, this is not possible. This is a myth because the transmitter, which is in your mobile phone, is working at a different wavelength to the transmitter which your car unlocks in response to. And when someone beams a transmitter at your mobile phone and sends the signal down the phone. The only thing the phone will transmit is what the microphone picks up, and the microphone is sensitive to sound waves between a few hundred and about 20,000 hertz, and it will then turn those into sound signals at the other end, again, between about a few hundred and about 20,000 hertz. So, as a result, it won't produce any microwaves, radio waves of the type that your car is listening for, so unfortunately... You can't open the car with sound. It's only going to respond to the right radio signal from the, the handset, which is too far away because it's at the other end of that phone line. So it won't work, unfortunately. Sorry.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, Mohammed. Do you often lock your car in or forget it at home? Uh, your, your lock your keys in or forget them at home? Not often, but I was just wondering if it would be possible. But okay. I don't All right, that's Mohammed in Florida. Daniel in Milnerton. Hi. Hi. Uh, we've got a question which, um, I don't know, okay. You know, people talking about near death um, uh, phenomena. And I had a problem, yeah, the delta wave, where your heart keeps a beat and then it starts running fast and you lose consciousness. So basically, your blood pressure as a result goes down. Every time you fall into unconsciousness, there is a feel like, you know, in your eyes, in front of your eyes, like a splash of light and in the middle, a black circle. It's, I mean, it's huge, bright light is that is, like, you know, I actually don't know how to explain it. But, I mean, even doctors don't
1: understand it. Hmm. Hi, Daniel. Well, I don't know if you've ever had the same thing that I sometimes get, which is if I have a hot bath or something and then stand up very quickly, or if you're feeling very tired and you've been sitting for a long time and it's hot and you stand up quick, you can sometimes see lights in front of your eyes. And these are entoptic phenomena. In other words, they are illusions generated inside your eyeball and this is because the retina has a really high metabolic rate the photoreceptors the rods and cones need enormous amounts of energy and because they have a very high energy demand they need a lot of blood flow And if you slow down the blood flow through the retina for even a moment, then you get these funny manifestations and these funny flashing lights. And I suspect that some of the visual experiences described by people who have momentary drops in blood pressure or near-death experiences because of, say, a cardiac arrest from which they're then resuscitated, for example, I suspect that some of that, at least, could be down to the retina firing off impulses that the brain momentarily picks up. That could be part of it. And also the visual areas of the brain more than a third of your brain is devoted to seeing things and decoding what you're looking at and if you deprive the brain of blood flow not only does it provoke unconsciousness but it can also fire off all kinds of abnormal activities as it goes into unconsciousness and as the brain becomes more and more deprived of oxygen nerve cells actually become more and more active for a while and so a lot of those experiences could be the brain generating those funny sensations and experiences just because of lack of oxygen so i would probably put my money if i had to on on that being the cause of people seeing these strange experiences
0: thank you very much daniel take care of yourself and chris that brings us to the end of our session with you we speak to you again next week
1: thanks reedy thanks everybody have a great weekend and see you next time bye bye and of course our conversation
0: with the naked scientist will be available as a podcast not now not now but just after one o'clock